So let's um, continue our discussion from yesterday. Okay, so we 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 brought up the uh, essential hypothesis of this whole next section of Tanya, right? And we and we brought it down to this ultimate uh, this ultimate issue, and the ultimate issue is that there are two things in life that are not necessarily an emotion or not necessarily a non-emotion, but they are a opening or a closing of the pipeline. And that pipeline is me. And what we're saying here is the idea of depression or melancholy or sadness, all these different ways of describing uh, that type of energy that a person has, is not really an Avera per se, right? There's nowhere in the Torah that it says literally, if you will feel this way, you, it is a big Avera. But on the other hand, it's a closing down of the whole system, which causes a person not to be able to function, or at least not to be able to function in the manner in which we've been trying to do, uh, you know, serve the Abishter in the first 25 chapters. Right? Can you shut the door, uh, Alex? Give me a favor, shut Rabbi Wagner's door for us. Thank you. We described in the first 25 chapters a whole derech of Hashem. How are we gonna, what are we supposed to be doing down here in this world to serve the Abishter? And he gives us very specific rules, regulations, direction, how to do it, how to succeed, how to succeed with our life down here. Yet, it's not happening. No matter how much I try, it's not working. So Alter Rebbe comes now in chapter 26 and he says, well, wait a minute. There's a reason why this is not happening. The reason why is because you are playing with a, with a toy that doesn't have the electricity in it. It's not plugged in. It doesn't work. Of course it's not going to work. So what we're going to say here is that the negative feelings that a person is feeling is what is getting in the way of the whole operation of the whole system. Because it's not allowing him to perform. It's just not allowing him to succeed. It's impossible to succeed that way. Masha Enkin, the idea of simcha, right, is the opposite of that. The idea of simcha is an opening up the, of the pipeline, of the vessels, to enable the, the, the juice to flow, so to speak. When the juice is flowing, then you have the potential to be able to serve the Abishter in all the different manners that the Alter Rebbe describes in the first 25 chapters. Now, we said yesterday, right, that the reason why this is happening is, oh, he has a Zrizus versus not a Zrizus, an alacrity versus not an alacrity. And we said, well, where does that whole thing come from? And what we described yesterday is that, if you want to just go back inside, let's just uh, re- revisit this idea, that it's impossible to succeed, it's impossible to win, right? When a person is in a state of atzlus, which is laziness, v'kavdus. Now, we didn't describe this yesterday, but we did describe it when we were talking about in chapter uh, Aleph of Tanya, when it talks about the the two traits of atzus and atzus that come from the madrega or the uh, from the element of earth. Now atzus is on the one hand, it's a very clear thing, it's laziness. 
But where you have to always trace back these uh, negative traits to where is it coming from? So in Hasidic literature, it talks about atzlus as being coming from one's ego, one's gaiva. That a person... Atzlus, right? Atzlus, laziness. We're talking about laziness now, not atzlus. Atzlus we're going to get to in a minute, right? It's atzlus is laziness. Atzlus is depression or melancholy, sadness, heaviness, right? Now, what I'm going to say right now is a very, very important point to this whole story. No one here is choosing to be lazy or depressed. Like, no one wakes up in the morning and says, you know, uh, let's see, all the different things I could be experiencing today, um, there's happiness, there's joy, there's feeling good about oneself, feeling good about the world, and then there's, like, laziness and depression. Yeah, I, you know, let's, I think I'll try, I'll go for depression today. Why don't we try it? Okay, boys, let's go. Everyone jump on the depression bandwagon. We're going to try this today. No one is doing that. No one in their right mind is deciding, you know, I, I, I think I really want to feel really heavy and depressed and lazy and about life. Everyone wants to be besimcha. So the question now comes out, if we're not choosing it, so why is it happening to us? Is this the normal uh, mode of operation of, let's say, 99% of the human beings in this world? Or is this really, you know, something that is, you know, there are certain people that have a chemical imbalance, they have this, we're not going to get into that. But most people are not having this. And I am somehow going down this pathway. So what he's saying here is that really when a person is in a state of atzlus, which is laziness, kavdus, heaviness, right? This is all coming from what we called before atzlus with timtumalev. Atzvus is the depression, right? Which we're going to see as we go further is what is known as the askufa, which is the threshold to all types of evil, basically. And timtumalev, which is this idea of, of a blockage. So what we're saying essentially, timtum means a blockage. It's for stopped, as they say in Yiddish. It's blocked. Right? So what we're saying essentially is that in a sense, these are normal, I don't want to say traits, because it's not a trait per se. It's, a, it's before you get to the level of a trait. It's a, like I said before, an opening of the pipeline or a closing of the pipeline. And what we need to somehow get across ourselves in this whole discussion, and we're only mamish in the beginning, we're only in the first five lines of this discussion, which is going to carry you over the next uh, six or seven chapters, is the idea... Hold on, why is my house calling me? Hold on one second. I've been teaching this class for 25 years, so I do every, you know, about, probably about six times in the past of 25 years, so I feel like I have to answer if they're calling. Okay, so back to... Yeah, that's right. Oh, there you go. You. Anyway, what we're saying here, however, what I'm going to suggest here is that, that it's not a, no one is choosing to become depressed. No one is choosing to feel this heaviness and this laziness. This is the nefesh of Bahamis playing games with us. However, what I am going to suggest is 
that there are certain things that the Nefesh of Bahamias is setting up within us, which is naturally causing us to get into this space. Okay? And in, if a person realizes that, then they can come along to the realization that they have to make a concerted effort to get out of that space. In other words, what we're saying here is that it's a very natural space to be in. This is not like, you know, like, oh, one in a million have this, like, heavy energy that's going on. And, you know, if you happen to be that guy, you probably did all these things wrong in your life and you have made a concerted effort to be in that state. That's not what the Alter Rebbe is saying at all. What the Alter Rebbe is saying clearly is that this is a very normal state of being. And we have to make a decision that we're going to, so to speak, I don't want to say it in, in a negative frame of mind, but what you could say is you have to fight against this battle. Because this is the battle that's taking place whether you know it or you don't. And most of us are experiencing the symptoms of it in one way or another. Obviously, you know, uh, there are extreme expressions of the symptoms and there are lesser, extreme, uh, you know, expressions of the symptoms. But what, despite how it's coming across in you in particular, what the Alter Rebbe is saying here is that you and I, we all have to make a concerted effort to fight this battle. It's not something that it's just, uh, it's not going to go away by itself. So now what he's saying is, where is this coming from? It's coming from this Atzvus and Timtumalek. Now, the Atzvus part we're going to focus on in chapters 26, 27, 28. The Timtumalev part is we're going to focus on 29 and 30 in particular. But what we can say is that perhaps, and some people want it, some must be want to say this, that the Atzvus is really coming from an aspect of the Timtumalev. In that what? In that there is an Edelkite about us, which is the Nefesh Elokis, which is flying inside of us. And what we went to and we discussed yesterday in yesterday's class, if you remember, we went back to chapter 12 and we went back to chapter 13. And what we said over there was that really, the Nefesh Elokis is supposed to be winning. The Nefesh Elokis is supposed to be able to control our lives in a way that really we should be feeling ecstatic 24-7. And if I were to go around the room and I ask, you know, most of us cannot say that we're feeling ecstatic 24-7. I mean, with the exception of Hananya, of course. But, but the rest of us, you know, the rest of us are regular people, right? So the question is, what exactly is happening here? And the answer is, like we say here, that really what's supposed to be happening is that we are supposed to be experiencing life in this way that we have this most important thing which is known as psichos alev. Psychos alev means what? Why is this so relevant? Because the idea is, is that we have ideas that are coming down from our brain. And like we talked about yesterday, the objective of all Hasidis is the Midos, not the intellect. The Midos. The Midos are the Mensch. The Midos are the Mensch. <coughs> the person is defined by his Midos. That's what makes him tick. And the problem comes around 
when the brain is sending down the information. For example, we're learning the Hasidis. We're learning about what the point of life is. We're learning about God. We're learning about the Nefesh Elokis. We're learning about what we're supposed to be doing here in this world. Dir All the things that we're learning. And gate nisht. It's not going. The question is, why isn't it going? Right? We know we were set up this way. And the answer is because the lave is not open. The lave is not in a state of openness. So you could be sending as many things as possible, but if there's a rock in the way, the water is just not going to get in. It doesn't matter how much you're going to put in the way. Are you following what I'm saying here? So I think the key point, the key take-home of the what I would call the hypothesis of these seven or eight chapters depending on how you want to divide it up, is really recognizing first and foremost that this is an avoida. Being besimcha is an avoida. And maybe the most important avoida that you could possibly tackle in your life. Because it is the only way that you could really succeed in life. That's what the Alter Rebbe is essentially saying here. All these 25 chapters that we just spent... You know, for a person who's sitting and learning Tanya in a real way, he spends he could spend years on the first twenty-five chapters, and he, for sure he spends years trying to implement the first twenty-five chapters. That goes without saying; it's a lifetime. But all those twenty-five chapters are not going to work bichlal if you do not have a psicha salev. It's impossible, 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 impossible. So now the question is. How do we get there? So point number one is recognizing that this is an avoida. This is something that we have to conscientiously be working at. And maybe even more importantly than conscientiously working at, recognizing what is happening within us. Being able to sort of, in a certain way, and this is what we talked about a little bit yesterday, is recognizing who is running the show inside of me. Where are those thoughts coming from that are saying, oh, you know, go do this or go and do that or I don't feel like doing this or I don't feel like doing that or, uh, you know, I just want to go to sleep or I don't want to wake up in the morning or whatever it is. The first step in this whole process is a recognition of who is talking inside of me and who is running the show inside of me. The second point that I would say and I would suggest is to recognize that naturally it's supposed to work. But if naturally it is not working, then we have to do some serious, um, I mean, avoida is the cliche word, but we'll use it anyway, to break down whatever problems there are there in order to make it work. Okay, that's, that's basically what we're coming to. And to recognize that, like he said, and we talked about yesterday, the difference between tahara and tuma is the difference between life and death. And clearly... This idea of atzlus and kabdus and atzvus and tim is a state of tuma, a state of death. And the opposite of it is life. The state of psichasalev and simcha and zrizus and all those things that we say are the opposite, that is a manifestation of life. And that's where our goal is. That's our aim. Okay? So that is the beginning of this story. I know that we're focusing a lot on these first five or six lines, 
But I think it's really important to get it through because I think there are a lot of misconceptions that we all are walking around with that we have to sort of, you know, at least point out to ourselves what our misconceptions are. And I think that we have to spend a little bit of time uh, being misbeinen in ourselves and recognize in ourselves, like, what is going on with ourselves. Who is running the show? Where am I holding? What's going on? What is really causing me to feel this way or that way? And to take a step back and, you know, take a moment during davening, take a moment during Kriyashma Shalomita, and, you know, sort of see, is it really coming from, like he says here, that he's in such a, such a state of tahara, mikol nidnu daiga, right? Like he says, va'atsu ba'olam, because... <coughs> <laughs> he recognizes the emis of the Abishter and he recognizes the emis of his neshama and what he's doing here in this world. Okay? That's the... I, I felt like that was missing from yesterday's shear, and I think that it was important to bring that out. So before we read any further, that's really... You have to nail that down because the objective of the shear is really not an intellectual um, um, research project into these chapters but I feel like it's a very much a, a life-changing process that I'm hoping that we're all going to, you know, sort of go through over the next few weeks as we're learning them. And that's, uh, you know, that's the point of this whole, uh, of this whole thing. Yeah, Avram, you had a question? <clears throat> um, is it that it's supposed to work? What? Is, is, it, is it that it's naturally supposed to work, but because sometimes it doesn't, so that's why there's an avoider there, or is it that it's supposed to work but naturally, for everyone outside the Danani and the Tzaddik, it doesn't work. So that's why. That's a really, a really good question. And I think the idea is that by the Tzaddik, obviously it works because his system is just set up perfectly. By the Bainani, the Bainani is, there is no such thing as a person that's born a Bainani. A person is set up not a Bainani, right? Kid Tzaddik, right, like we say because his inside is looking the same exact as the Rasha. The Rasha and the Benini are the same on the inside, right? The question is whether he's been able to overcome the obstacles that are there just by being in this world. And obviously, you know, like he says in Parag Bays, depending on who he's born to and, you know, what happens during, you know, his parents' uh, influence on him, Right, it's obviously going to make his life harder or easier. But we all have the same, we all have the same goal, and we have all the same avoda and the whole same work. Okay, so that's that's really important to know. But it's there. In other words, we don't have to create something that doesn't exist. It's in the creation. This is the way it's supposed to work. And if it's not working, which most people, it's not working. So then you have to do avoda to clear it out. Like almost if you think about it, it's almost like a like a, a pipeline that the water is supposed to be going through and it's made to go through, but it's not going through. So you have to recognize, well, either there's a crack in the pipe or there's some dirt or whatever, rocks that are in there that you have to clear out. You have to do something to it, right? And so that's an important, that, like I think that's the essential step in this whole process to recognize where we're holding, okay? I, I, let's learn. Let's just read a little bit inside. So now he basically. Now you have to remember. I said uh, we're going to read a little inside, and then I, of course, take a step back. The historical background to this chapter, however, is that this was a major chiddush. Okay, because at that time period, it wasn't such a commonly viewed upon thing as being the norm that a Jew is supposed to be besimcha. 
Right? This was one of the reasons the Baal Shem Tov, right, the Hasidim, the Baal Shem Tov were known as the Freilichers, right, the people that were happy. Because it was a Chiddush of the Baal Shem Tov that really, that being happy, being besimcha, is an integral part of being Jewish. That the idea was that no, uh, from Jew is supposed to be walking around with a heaviness, with a seriousness, with a you know, uh, you know, a face that's like you know, like this type of face. You know, uh, for the people that are on the, on the tape, they don't see my face, but you know, you can imagine what the face looks like. That's that's the, um, the scowl, right? Right, exactly. That was the norm. If you went back to seventeen hundred. And so, you know, and all those years before that, that was the norm. That was the way a Jew, an Orthodox Jew, looked. Or no, not Orthodox Jews, you know, but that's 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 how they looked in the 1700s. That's the way it was. And along comes Hasidus, and they're trying to say, well, no, you know, not only is this a mitzvah, but I would say that this is right. This is the precursor to all mitzvahs. This is the opening of the pipelines. This is the this is what is generating everything. This is what you got to do, guys. So. That's why he writes now, Umashe Kosuv, right, in Mishle, Bechol Eitzib Yem Mutter. Right, he says, wait a minute. You could say, but it's not supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be in a way that a person is supposed to look, be heavy and serious and come on, we're down here in the world for, with a mission. You have to. And look, even, even King Solomon says, Bechol Eitzib Yem Mutter, which means all, with all like a depression or a sadness or a melancholy, right? There'll be something, a mutter means something positive that comes from it. You know, so look, you see, this is, you know, the Hasidus is going, you know, in the face of what King Solomon is saying. So uh, what, what are you talking about? That seems to be a contradiction. So he says, Perush, Right? That the 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 Pashapshat, the way it's being learned by the world, is that there is something positive in being depressed, in being in a state of melancholy, in being, we'll call it contrite, serious, heavy, whatever. So the Alter Rebbe says, you're misunderstanding the Pasik. The opposite is true. Miloshan that if you learn the Pasuk correctly, what the Pasuk is really saying is that, that from the actual melancholy itself, there's nothing positive. It's mashma shaha Mashma, it's understood. Shaha that this melancholy, mitzad atzma, mitzad itself, there is nothing positive that comes out of it. No, what it means is that from that particular melancholy, you could come to a simcha. You could use it as a weapon in your arsenal in order to get you back to the point of where you want to be, which is this point of simcha. <laughs> Namely, the simcha emisis, the true simcha in Hashem, your God, which comes after an eitzva emisi. And that is what we have to discuss. So now, we're going to have to hold here. Mitzvah Hashem, tomorrow we'll start up again. Well, hopefully, maybe we can start a little earlier tomorrow so we get a longer class. Um, but what he's saying here is he's showing that, that even a pasuk that appears to be 
a Pasuk that will prove that Simcha is not the way to go, you're misreading the Pasuk. So what he, the Alter Rebbe is going to do until Vihine, where he starts to get into the nitty-gritty, is he, has to, he wants to prove that, in fact, the Jewish way is a way of Simcha. Which, if you think about it, in the 21st century, it sounds so ridiculous, because every group of Orthodox Jews is running around saying, Mitzvah, right? I mean, you have bumper stickers everywhere, you have, uh, and it's the given. But it wasn't the given 300 years ago or 200 years ago. That was not the given. So that's, that's, that's the idea. That's the idea that the Alter Rebbe first is going to, to focus on, point out, and then we can get into our practical avoida where he's going to give us particular um, strategies of how to deal with our issues and how to clean up that pipeline. Okay? So we'll stop here um, for today.